I got to tell you, um, I've been really pumped up about the kickoff to our new message series, the Gospel of Mark, the the life and ministry of Jesus. I mean, I probably put about at least 30 hours this week studying it, and and, uh, I've read through the entire book this week. It took me uh, a time that 46 minutes and 49.1 seconds uh, to read through the the book of Mark, and uh, and I was so fired up about the first conversation. It's called "This Is Jesus," and it covers all of Mark chapter one, verse one, <laughs> twelve verses, twelve words rather. And to let you know, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark for a very, very long time. Um, at least, probably to the end of the year, at least we'll be in this book. Again, I, I was so ready to go, so ready to dive in, to get this thing going. And then uh, about five o'clock yesterday morning, I woke up and God's spirit began to impress upon me that in light of all that's going on, I'm supposed to talk about something else. And I didn't want to. <laughs> uh, I fought with him for a while. I mean, I, I've been working real hard and didn't know whether I was giving in to all the hype and all the fear and paranoia. And so I wrestled with God for about an hour and a half um, and finally surrendered. And that's always a good thing, by the way, <laughs> you know, the surrender. Um, and uh, I got up about 6.30 and I began to put on paper uh, the thoughts that God had been invading my mind with. And here's what it looked like, right? That's, that's my mind. You want to know, get inside Steve's mind. It is crazy looking stuff. Um, and so here we are. And, and listen, and there's another thing that God impressed upon me and, and that he said, hey, I, I know you like to hone every word, every phrase. I know that you want to type out 5,500 words or so every week and go over every word, every syllable, every comma. But I don't really want you to do that this week. I, I kind of want you to put the scriptures and a few key points and go with that. And totally outside my comfort zone because I like to deeply prepare. I usually have more stuff, as you know, than I can cover in one setting. But again, I submit it. I submit it to him. And I just tell you, I want you to know this morning that I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to lean on his spirit. I'm going to lean on his word. And I'm going to trust that what you hear today is what God wants to say to his people, especially at a time such as this. Because it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, all we have to do is look around and we can see that our world is filled right now with so much fear, anxiety, and uncertainty, some of which may be camping out even among us. I mean, I've been to Walmart. (laughs) I've been to Sam's. I've been to Kroger. I've been to Food Lion. I've watched the news. I mean, every day seems to bring another crashing wave of disheartening news and unanswered questions. And a thought hit me about Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Thessalonians rather, chapter 4, where Christians are grieving because they lost loved ones and, you know, they're thinking, hey, are they somehow at a disadvantage because Christ hasn't come back yet? And Paul makes a statement to them that, hey, we don't want you to grieve like people who do not have hope. And, And God just put a thought in my mind that at a time like this, God does not want you and I to live like men and women who have no hope. See, this is not a time for us to live in fear, anxiety, and panic because we do have hope. We have a living hope through in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Remember, as, as you already said, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Now, there's just two points in your notes today. Um, remember major points. Hey, go back, go back. We're too soon. Oh, I love you. Oh, oh no. Oh. No. Okay, men in black right here. Let me get a pen. Look, sir, this, okay, gone. You forgot all about seeing that. Uh, all right, two major points. Uh, remember that, and, and then uh, we will. And, and I got the dot. Anyone know what the, those three dots are called? Ellipsis. Anybody know how much I love ellipsis? I love them things, man. And you see email from me, it's got them all over the place, right? Because the story goes on and on. All right, two major points. Before we do that, I have a treasure here, which you already know what's in here. <laughs> this has become really valuable today. Seriously, I, I, I've been watching it. And so... So I, I went online and found, hey, what are some of the funny things about toilet paper? Uh, you never appreciate what you have till it's gone. Toilet paper, good example, right? That would be bad, right? I love this one. I survived the great toilet paper crisis of 2020, all right? Here's another one. Unfortunately, the test came back positive uh, for COVID-19. You have coronavirus. That can't be correct. I have over 40 cases of Costco water and 200 rolls of toilet paper. I mean, how, I'll prepare. I love that one. Here, here's another one. Save toilet paper. Use both sides. <laughs> oh, oh, that can get messy. All right. Do you have any extra toilet paper? No. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Uh, this is a good one. If you're low on toilet paper, go to CVS, buy a pack of bubble gum. <laughs> You ever see how long those receipts are? I mean, you can wrap them around your house. And here's, here's a good one. My precious. My precious. <laughs> All right. I thought those were fun. Uh, by the way, I am taking a bid. Bidding for that toilet paper starts at $150. Let the bidding begin. All right. The first point is remember that. Um, before we jump into that first point, I want to read something from Isaiah 55, um, beginning at verse 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I think we could use some of God's thoughts today. Very next verse. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, we love you. And God, we have faith in your word. God, we believe that your word is living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, that it penetrates even the dividing joint and marrow, soul and spirit. God, we believe that the word was literally breathed by you and that your word is able to accomplish all the things that you wanted to. And God, I know that right now, there are things right now in our hearts and our minds that you want to accomplish in us with all the craziness in our world right now. And so God, we trust your word. Word of God speak in Jesus' name, amen. 
uh, Maple Grove, in times like these, we need to remember that our God is still on the throne. In Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, we read of the call of Isaiah, and it starts off like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, and we can read over that, and okay, so a king died. What is a big deal, right? He was actually a pretty decent king, and he was king for 55 years, right? When your leader of 55 years is suddenly gone, that's the time to be freaking out, right? That's the time you're worried. What's going to happen? Who's going to be the next leader? Are we going to be okay? Will everything be all right? All right? There's a lot buried in those few words. And, and I love what God knew Isaiah needed to see in this time of uncertainty. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Here's another verse about God on the throne. Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 and 22. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Brothers and sisters, no matter what is going on in our world, no matter what is going on in your world, God is still on his throne. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'm going to say our God, and you're going to finish the rest. It's still on his throne. You got your line down? You good? We good? I mean, they're watching all over the world right now, all right? I mean, don't let me down. <laughs> One person, right? I emailed someone. I'm going to pay you to oh, yeah. our, our God is? Still our God is? Still Amen. We need to also remember that our God is in control. Jesus said to his disciples shortly before leaving to go back home to the Father, and Jesus came near them and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when someone has all authority, right, that means, right, they're in control, right? Right, when you have authority, you're in control. He has, he has all authority. And that's why he's able to say this verse we, we all love so much, right, Romans 8, 28. See, these verses are true not just when we sit in the comfort of a Sunday school class sipping coffee and iced tea. They're true in the midst of the storm. And we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good. All things aren't good, right? Cancer's not good. Divorce is not good, right? Losing your job's not good. Health problems are not good. We know that in all things, God works together for the good. Those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Our God is in control. Just this morning, yeah, in our Bible reading, we're doing that million scriptures thing. A lot of us are doing that together. And, and I was catching up with Luke chapter 2, right? The story of Jesus' birth. And man, it just lights up with God's in control. 
Caesar thought he was in control, right? When he issued that decree, right? That a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, but he wasn't the one in control, right? Uh, because Joseph had to go where? He had to go back to Bethlehem because Micah the prophet promised that the Savior would come from Bethlehem, right? Yeah. Caesar thought he was in control when he did that, but absolutely, who was in control? God was in control. Amen? And God's in control all the time. Uh, we also need to remember that God can be trusted. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart, trust in him. And I'm helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices. And I praise him with my song. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. Trust not in people. Trust not in the next vaccine, right? Trust not in the news media. Trust not in politicians. Trust not in himself. My heart trusts in him. Psalm 125, 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken. Amen. Would you say that would describe the hearts of many people today? Is our world shaken? Are people shaken? Like toilet paper. Come on, y'all, right? I mean, it's crazy. And there'll be water next. Who knows what's coming next? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Jesus said this to his guys. You know this one, right? Very well. You've said it. You've quoted it. You've probably heard it anytime you've gone to a memorial service or or funeral, right? He's talking to his guys. They know he's about to be arrested. They don't want to really believe it. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, which means that their hearts were what? They were troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled means that they had a what? They had a choice, right? Right? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay, I don't like a troubled heart. What do I do? Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. See, we need to trust in God. Not just for our future, right? Which is good, right? I mean, we know that in the future, there are no more death, disease, right? And no more craziness, no more panic, no more fear, no more anxiety, right? But we need to trust God for our today, right? I mean, if he can handle your future, God can handle your today. God wants you to trust him. And if your heart is troubled, trust in him. Not in yourself, but trust in him. Proverbs says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All means what? All. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, at times like this and difficult times, we can always trust in the wrong things and lean on the wrong things. You know, the only certain thing is God and God can be trusted. Trust in him. And, and uh, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Trust in him and he will make your path 
straight. He'll show you what direction you need to take. And the end of Isaiah, again, very familiar words. Even youths become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord. And let me just say this. What if all that I'm saying is true? Like, and it is, but... But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. You tired, you worn out? Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Our God can be trusted. Your line is trusted. It's an easy one. Our God can be trusted. Our God can be trusted. Amen. And we need to remember that our God is our help. We see that in Psalm 121. I love all the Psalms for various reasons, but this is probably the most special Psalm to me of all. How many Psalms are there? 150. Very, very good. Um, Psalm 121, very special to me. Um, probably in 1995, I was in uh, an ICU room at Tampa Hospital, University Hospital in Tampa. As most of you know, you know, Judy, my first wife, battled cancer for about two years, and she was in a hospital, and you know, her 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 white cells were down, and. She's on a bunch of medication, and things aren't going well, and she's really struggling and, you know, even almost hallucinating. It was a really, really bad time, and, and she's on the bed just couldn't. It was like she wasn't even herself, and, and I, I can still see her. And she says, where's my Bible? I go, it's over there on the shelf. She goes, she goes go get it. And I hand her a Bible. She goes, read this. And I read Psalm 121. And you know what? You know what came over her? Peace like a river. All the doctors and nurses and all the medicines and all the stuff, the IV couldn't do it. But the power of God's word did. She needed help. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Amen. Your line is our help. Our God is? Our help. Our God is? Our help. Let's change it to my. Our God is? My help. Going through a hard time? Are you struggling, don't know where to turn? Our God is? My help. Amen. And we could go on and on, right, all day. Remember that, and I could tell you another thing about God that we should remember, right? Remember that God is faithful, that, that God keeps his promises, that God is the Alpha and Omega, that God is the Father of the compassion, the God of all comfort, 
that, that our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the mighty I am. Uh, but we're not going to take time to talk about all that except just one more. We need to remember that our God is great and our God is good. I tell you, that prayer had a lot of theology in it. Now, there's another prayer I prayed again that had no theology and scared me to death. We were praying it in, before uh, worship today, the, the praise team and I. And maybe some of you older people prayed this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. What a thing to teach a six-year-old to pray. I remember praying that all the time as a kid. Like, I'm thinking, am I going to die tonight? Am I going to die tonight? Right? But I, I, I like this one here. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> food. Great theology, right? Doesn't rhyme, but great theology. Our God is great and our God is good. Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. He breathes out stars. And remember, Canis Majoris, right? 9.3 billion suns fit inside that one star. And God goes, oh, I know what your name is. Canis Majoris, right? He, he, he holds oceans in the palm of his hands. He stretches out the heavens. When he speaks, waters parts, giants fall, and walls come crumbling down. Our God is great. Jeremiah said this, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you make the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. In Luke chapter 1, a teenage girl, right, found out that she was a good birth to the Son of God and didn't quite understand it, but was told, for nothing will be impossible with God, right? Nothing. Our God is great, and our God is good. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. I, I love how Psalm 23 ends, right? Surely, your goodness and love, hey, something's behind me. Something's keep following me. Right? Surely, your goodness and love, right? No matter where I go, right? Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Maple Grove, when we remember that our God is still on his throne, when we remember that our God is in control, when we remember that our God can be trusted, when we remember that our God is our help, and we remember that our God is great and our God is good, we will not fear, we will trust. We will not fear, we will trust. David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some of you have been in those valleys, some are in those valleys now. David certainly had been in some dark valleys, dark caves, running and hiding, a price tag on his head. Even when I walk, family struggles, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because I'm tough. I took a course on how not to be afraid, seven steps, right? 
No. I, I, I will not be afraid. Why? For you are close beside me. Right? That's why. I mean, the, the most spoken command in the Bible is do not be afraid, do not fear. Almost every single time, whether it's Abraham or Joshua, right, or David, the, the very next sentence always is, hey, don't be afraid because I'm with you, right? Yeah, don't be afraid because I, I have your back, right? I mean, like when a, a small child has a nightmare, right, you know, and, and they come into their mom and dad's bedroom or something, all of a sudden, they're what? They're not afraid. Why? Because they're with their mom and dad. And mom and dad's got me. I don't have to worry anymore, right? Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid, for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And David said this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. Wow. See, when we remember who God is, we will not fear, we will trust. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I want us to say that line right now, right? Let's say that right now together on account count of one, two, three, not on three, after three, right? Because that can get confusing sometimes. Do we break in the door on three or after three? After three, we're going to say it, our line. We're going to say this of our God. One, two, three. He is my God. Amen. Amen. Let's declare that to him. Isaiah 43. Do not be afraid. For I've ransomed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. I love this. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Psalm 46. There's a lot of scripture today. And I encourage you to read these scriptures. And here's a challenge I want to lay out to you. You see what happens, right? I want you to spend more time reading these scriptures and others this week than you do watching the news reading panic-driven posts, right, and tweets or whatever. Spend more time reading God's Word than doing this and see what happens to your spirit. See what happens to your heart. I mean, yeah, you need to know what's going on, right? I mean, check briefly, right? But, but don't live in that insanity, right? Because it, it'll just drive you down. Spend more time and, and just see what happens. Um, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea we will not fear when the coronavirus spreads we will not fear when the stock market takes a huge downturn we will not fear when others are running around in panic let the oceans roar and foam let the mountains tremble as the water surge a river brings joy to the city of our god 
the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. And brothers and sisters, God is that river, and we are that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect that the nations are in chaos. Amen. Amen. You called that one, and their kingdoms crumble. God voice thunders, and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be honored in every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Today, God wants you to know. God wants you to remember. He's still on his throne. He is still in control. He can be trusted. He wants you to know that he is your help. That's where you look. And he wants you to know that that he is great and that he is good. So you don't have to fear. You can trust. And you don't have to worry. You can pray. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink. Where you buy toilet paper. <laughs> How many rolls? Single ply, double ply, reapply. <laughs> Oh, that was a good one. That's what he planned. I got to write that sucker down. I don't often do that good. <laughs> I don't know if I can recover. Uh, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow a reap or gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Perhaps you heard that old little poem from years ago called, said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Can any of you add a single cubit of height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown at the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you? You have a little, little face, so don't worry. Saying, what we'll eat or what we'll drink or what we'll wear. For the idolaters eagerly seek after all these things. Costing huge lines at Costco and Walmart to buy toilet paper <laughs> and bottled water. Yeah, your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Make that your primary concern, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We remember who God is. We we won't worry. We'll, we'll pray. Paul modeled that in Philippians chapter, well, the whole book of Philippians, right, written from a prison cell. Uh, Joe talked about a prison. I think these were probably even worse conditions. Um, 
and, and uh, if, you, if family members didn't provide or friends provide you with food, you didn't even eat. That's why you read about Paul saying, Epaphroditus brought this stuff. I'm so glad he did. Now I have food and stuff. But here's what he writes from a prison cell. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, right? We need to make that our default mode, right? You know, uh, you know as much as we can. Like, if you hear the Star Spangled Banner playing, right, you automatically what? You would stand up, right? You say the Pledge of Allegiance, right? You do this. A lot of guys who wear hats when... Hey, let's bow our heads to pray. What do they automatically do? They take off their hat. And try to make your default mode, oh, hey, I'm worrying. That's not a good thing. Instead of worrying about it, maybe I'll worry about it tomorrow. But today, instead of worrying about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about it. With thanksgiving that I got someone to pray to. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever experienced that peace? That it's, you can't even, like, how could you be at peace? I've experienced it, right? Yeah. Again, the greatest time was during the greatest family struggle. I mean, I had such peace when my wife was dying of cancer. <laughs> you know? Like, where did that peace come from? It transcended all understanding, right? Bills I couldn't pay, a future I could not even understand anymore, but yet I had peace, right? I had peace that transcended all understanding. And here, 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 here God is saying, finally, brothers, and this would be a good filter, whether you should watch the news or, 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 or Twitter, right? If it doesn't fit in this category, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be dwelling there, right? Here we go. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, oh my gosh, everything's off. I got nothing. Whatever's commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's any praise, Dwell on these things. My gosh. You know, I, I know what it's like to dwell on the wrong things, do you? I mean, I got worried now. You know? I mean, I can be feeling good and dwell on the wrong things, and I can be sucked into a dark hole almost immediately. But again, I, I, I don't think much of what's out there today and and Twitter posts and Facebook and our media right now really fits in that category too much. And again, I'm not saying hide in a cave and don't be informed and be cautious. That is not what I'm saying. Don't dwell on all the negativity and panic that's out there. Amen? Also remember who God is. We will consider pure joy. Right? James talked about that. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything, right? Anytime you go through a hard time, we know, right? We, we know there's a purpose. There's a pur- woo, right? I almost created a trial, uh, right? Because you know, right? Because you know, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance so you've been mature, complete, not lacking in anything, the very next verse for if you don't if you lack wisdom, ask God. Context is everything in understanding the Bible, right? Context is everything. He's not talking about the wisdom to buy a you know a, a Toyota or a Nissan, right? The context is 
how in the world could I ever consider a trial as a reason for joy? Doesn't make sense. Hey, God, give me the wisdom. God, I don't see how this trial can be joy, but I trust you. Please give me the wisdom to see it, and I know you will, and I'll give it to you. But if you're like, God, give me the wisdom, and well, I don't really think you can do it. It's still kind of rough out there. I don't really know. Then God says, you're not going to get that wisdom. Does that make sense? But you can consider every trial joy because there's an end purpose. Because who God is, we will be a light and we will live differently. Now, you're the light of the world. A city situated on the hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And again, the, the world needs to see us living differently right now. If we're living the same way, if we're panicked, fearful, afraid, freaking out, uneasy, right? I don't know, it's terrible. You know, that's not going to help them. You know, that's not going to be a light. They need to say, hey, yeah, it's hard, it's difficult. I don't know when it's going to turn around, but you know what? I trust my God. You know, it's going to be okay. God will be with me and somehow we'll get through it. You know, he'll, he'll comfort me. And when we live differently, right? Because it is kind of crazy out there, right? People fighting, literally fighting over toilet. I mean, police had to come in and shut down a Costco in New York for like two hours because there was so much fighting going on. They had to, hey, we got to get this thing calmed down because people are just going crazy, Right? And, and, and people being so afraid right now. And, and when they see us different, we're not ignoring. Again, I'm not saying ignore. That's stupid, right? Unless I, go out and be stupid, right? No. Be sensible, right? Be sane. And be trusting of God. When you see you live differently, something can happen. Uh, Peter talked about it, right? You know, he, he said, always be ready to give anyone defense who asks you a reason for the hope that you have, right? Like, hey, what? All right. We're really freaking out here, and you're not freaking out. How come you're not freaking out? Like, we're freaking out. We're, I mean, we're so freaking out. Why are you freaking out? Right, what's going on? Right? And then you go, hey, here's why. There's a bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. My God's got this. My God's got my, my next trillion uh, years and beyond. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be okay. And, and that's going to make a difference. Paul, we read this recently in our Bible reading. He's in prison. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. A guy in prison for talking about Christ, and people see Paul, and they say, hey, we want to go talk about Christ too, because he lived differently, right? He handled the situation differently. Those of you who had hard times, right? You know, you know when they see you go through it, you know, whenever you have a difficulty, you're in the center ring, and the whole world is watching, right? You know, you know when, when Judy was first diagnosed with cancer, the two people in the center ring we cared about the most were our nine-year-old and our 11-year-old. And, and we knew that, that the way we responded to this cancer would either make or break the faith of John and Chelsea. And we made a decision that at the other side, no matter what happened, God can be trusted, no matter what happened, the other side, their faith would be stronger at the other side. And Leela's nodding her head. <laughs> Did it work out? I mean, if you know John, you know Chelsea, they love the Lord, right? And so any difficulty, you're in the center ring. People are watching you. When you respond differently, that gives you an opportunity to speak a good word for your God. Amen? 
And we know who God is and that he's in control. He's on his throne. He can be trusted. He's our help. He's great and good. We will show compassion. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know why they're running around? Like over half our world, right? Half our country, stats say, you know, they don't have our shepherd. That's why they're panicking. Instead of, you know, we got to fight the urge of, oh, look at those crazy lunatics freaking out, right? <laughs> have compassion. Like, that. you know why they're doing it? Because they don't have a shepherd. You know, they don't have someone who's watching out over them. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, we, we, need, we need to show compassion for people's fears and concerns and for their needs, right? And maybe there's an older person in your neighborhood, you know, that's going to need you to do food runs for them. Because they're like, hey, I really, you know, our, our, our medicine runs. We're going to try to, be, we're, we are going to be in touch with Love, Inc. and our own church community to find out, hey, who can we help? You know, who needs us to do a food run and run and get some food and put it on their doorstep for them, right? You know, let's show compassion. And we will also seize the moment. Story of Esther, right? God, people about to go through genocide. Esther's not sure she wants to step up to the plate and help. Her uncle tells her, if you remain silent this time, relief and deliverance for Jesus will rise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows whether you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I just say, what a time it is, what an opportunity it is for you and I to demonstrate the hope, the love, the mercy, the confidence, the strength, the compassion that is found in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. What an awesome time to show people that there is a rock they can stand on, right? That there's a place they can find shelter. What, a, what an opportunity for us to seize, right? Right now, to show people the way. And we will also pray for national healing. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and he had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayers and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so there's no rain or, or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, right? when all these hard times come, if my people who are called by my name right, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And we need to pray for national healing, right? We need to pray for a spirit of repentance among God's people, right? Because God is not telling the nation, the pagans, to humble. He said, if my people humble themselves, right, and turn from the wicked ways. And we need to pray for our country. Um, you know, we're, I'm going to we're going to pray briefly in a moment um, you know, as respect for everybody's time, but our president has called this for a national day of prayer, right? Uh, I hope you do that. I saw someone post that you know, we're having to wash our hands for 20 seconds, right? You know, like what if every Christian 
Every time they watched him for 20 seconds was praying. You know, praying for a country, praying for a president. God, give our president wisdom. Father, give our leaders wisdom. Fathers, may this time of crisis where so many are trying to drive apart our nation, drive apart people, God, uh, may, you use this as, may you use this as time to bring us together. God, silence all the politicians and all the media and all the tweeters and everybody else that are trying to divide us and make us further apart. God, would you use this crisis that they want to divide us and cause turmoil, would you use this crisis to bring us back together and to turn people's hearts back to you? You know, every time we wash our hands, you know, just pray for our country. Pray for people. God is still on his throne, church. God wanted me to tell you that, I think. And God is in control. And God can be trusted. And God is our help. And God is great. And, it's God, and God is good. And therefore, the final thing is, therefore, we will fix our eyes on Jesus. We'll not fix our eyes on the crisis. We'll not fix our eyes on the turmoil. We'll not fix our eyes on the fear or on the panic. We will not fix our eyes on the, on the pundits. We'll not fix our ears on talk radio. Right? You know, we will fix our eyes on Jesus, right? In Matthew 14, right? Again, you know, the, you know the story? Jesus is walking on water. Pretty cool thing, right? Peter thinks, hey, that's cool. I like to do that. <laughs> and, and he does it for a while. No one else got out of the boat. He needs props for getting out of the boat. I mean, he, he gets a bad rap, but no one else even got out of the boat. I mean, and, and but what it says, this happens to me. I don't know if it happens to you. I can be feeling, hey, I'm good. God is good. I mean, I can be listening to worship music. But I can, then I can take my eye and, and focus on, oh my gosh, I got this problem in my life. And I sink. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And it began to sink. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me, right? But I, what I love about Jesus, he cried out, Lord, save me. If that was me, it'd be like, and the Lord... And Steve watched him go under. <laughs> Should have trusted him, he did. <laughs> That's not what he does, right? You know, so during this crisis and any crisis as a church, we will fix our eyes on Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits down to the right hand of God, Consider him who endures such treatment from sinful men so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. And that's what our series for the next long time is going to be about. Fixing our eyes on Jesus as we dive in and dig into Mark. But I, I really want to encourage you. I implore you. I beseech you. Okay, I'm using King James. You got to listen. I beseech you, therefore, my brethren. <laughs> uh, to read over these scriptures. You know, I put all the references in there. You know, and, and find some other scriptures. And I, I am convinced 
that God really wanted me to say the things I have said today. And remember that our God is, therefore we will. Amen. Hey, every week we, we take communion. We're, we're doing it today. Cool thing is we already have the two cups, right? So you're not fumbling through someone else's cracker. <laughs> you know, our communion is off to the side and there's that double cup as always, you know, where there's a cracker and, and, and the juice as well to celebrate our God and our Savior. Um, but we're going to sing a song first and, and uh, just know that we're here. We love you. Appreciate you guys being here today, be in prayer. Um, if, if you need prayer today, hey, you know, we're not quarantined from prayer. <laughs> if you got a struggle, we want to pray for you, we want to pray over you. And, and uh, uh, let's sing this awesome song about our King right now. And after the song, we go off and take communion. For everybody watching online, hey, glad you guys are here. <laughs>